It's time for JT the Brick. I'm working for free today. Get the blank out of here. The tackles that are coming into this program have now got to be. One of them's got to pop like Daryl Russell. One of them's got to pop. Who's it going to be? How long have we been waiting for a young defensive tackle to come in here since Daryl Russell and go, I got this. Don't take me off the field. I'm a beast. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll. I want an elite superstar, 25-year-old linebacker who's going to play five years in a row. You're going to pay him a new contract, and he's just great. This place hasn't done that well, and now Dave Ziegler probably could do a much better job at that position, I would believe, because the Patriots had a lot of good linebackers. Play that rant again. I'll get the hell out of here. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio. Hope everybody had a great Mother's Day weekend. My wife did. I hope your uh, mom, uh, your wife, whoever it is, your sister, your aunts, grandparents, whoever it was, I hope you had a great time and celebrated Mother's Day and enjoyed it. Good weekend here. I posted a picture about right outside my house, you know, 100 yards from my house of a tree falling last night. The wind on the mean streets of Summerlin were crazy. I mean, blowing sideways. Did anybody get hit with that wind? So I went out and did the dog walk today and saw this giant, I mean, massive tree that fell down in the park where I live. I put the video out there. Fox 5 wants to use it. A couple of people are seeing it. So the wind, we don't get rain out here. We don't get any rain, which is crazy when you think about it. Look at the bathtub rings at Lake Mead. We don't get rain. We don't get a little bit of rain. We get none. When it does rain, it's a miracle out here. But man, do we get wind. And when the wind howls, it howls in a big way. Felt like the house was going to fall down last night. My son had to go out there and pick up all the debris today. And uh, now it looks calm and cool. Still blowing a little bit, but beautiful, beautiful week ahead here, I guess. You know, coming off the NFL draft and everything that we have with the Raiders getting ready for minicamp. Good time of year. My favorite time of year to be here. Uh, we got a lot of big events coming up here. So over the next week or two, I'm going to be on and off the radio I'll be emceeing the Fred Bolitnikoff Hall of Fame Golf Classic. That starts on Sunday night at the JW Marriott. And the golf tournament's Monday at Canyon Gate. Uh, Fred was on to kick off the show. Reminded everybody to go to Bolitnikoff.org. Even if you can't go, write a check if you can to Tracy's Place of Hope for Fred's late daughter, uh, Tracy, who was tragically murdered. And that's why this golf tournament's so big. People come from all over the country. Hall of Fame players to support Fred and Angela. We would like you to do that if you can also. And then a week from this Thursday, I get a chance to fly into Chicago for Mike Ditka, and I MC uh, the Ditka's Gridiron Greats, which is a really big deal for me. And that's going to be fun with a bunch of new Hall of Famers getting in. Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Commanders. Warwick Dunn, one of the most generous football players, philanthropist ever. Jack Youngblood, Hall of Famer. So I'll see that event, and the Raiders have many players in the Gridiron Greats, from Harry Long, uh, Howie Long to Fred Bolitnikoff to late Cliff Pranch, Jim Plunkett. So I'm looking forward to seeing Coach Ditka in Chicago to do that. And that's about it. After that, we'll be one step closer. There is big news today that could hopefully affect the Raiders, or maybe not. The Giants released James Bradbury after failing to find a trade partner for one of the best young athletically gifted corners there is there but it didn't work out with the Giants here are the details from Ian Rappaport as this news broke before the show yeah they found a way not the way they obviously would have wanted the hope of course was that the New York Giants would be able to trade James Bradbury 
find a suitor, someone who could redo a contract with him in a way that made sense for both sides and they could just offload uh, most of the deal and kind of get out from under that. It was really solid for agent signing for the Giants uh, at the time. He played pretty well, but it was simply not to be with the new staff. Obviously, that makes sense. They wanted to move on. And, you know, I would say it seems pretty clear, Tom, this is a, let's say, a little bit of a rebuild or retool year for the Giants. They're dealing with some money issues, uh, hard up against the cap. This is a way to deal with it. As far as the specifics here, the Giants, of course, as I mentioned, could not uh, trade James Bradbury, but they do get more than $10 million in cap savings, but still nearly $12 million in dead money. All right, so you can clearly connect this to the Raiders. Not that the Raiders are going to do this deal, but Patrick Graham, the new D coordinator, for who? The Raiders. Where was he with the Giants? Now, again, he might not have liked Bradbury. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but the Giants want to move on from him. But he was their number one quarter corner. And the Giants, you know, this is more about money. But he's 28 years old. He was set to make $3.5 million, would have counted 21.9 against the gap. So however a deal could possibly be, Bradbury had only $2 million of his $13.4 million base salary guaranteed at the start of the league year. If the Raiders were able to bring him in on a cap-friendly deal, however they would do it, and I'm not saying they're going to, you would have Bradbury at one corner and Rocky Asin at the other corner. Okay? That is a game-changer if they could pull this off. I don't know if they can. I don't know if they have any interest. Next time I see Dave Ziggler, we'll ask about it as I bring in the Spanish voice of the Silver and Black, Harry Ruiz on Mondays, and you'll hear him more sitting in for me here, a great broadcaster. And, Harry, good to talk to you. I hope it was a great Mother's Day in and around your family. How are you, my friend? Doing great, JT. Always great talking with you. Actually, Mexicans celebrate Mother's Day on May 10th. So Ooh. my mom gets two Mother's Day, one yesterday and another one tomorrow. <laughs> Tell me about that. That's another thing you educate me on. So Mother's Day on the 10th here. I, I can't believe that. I, that's tomorrow. Yeah, the Mayo. So the good thing for Mexican-Americans, <laughs> families like mine, is that, for example, my mom's in the States right now, so we don't struggle as much to get her flowers on May 10th in comparison to <laughs> the American Mother's Day, which is, was yesterday. So it's, it's good. My mom, I was able to see her last week and, uh, she's right now in new Orleans with my baby sister who's just moved out there. So she's happy to be around her kids right now. Excellent. Harry Ruiz is our guest. I just mentioned Bradbury cut by the giants, man. Doesn't that seem like a perfect fit if the price was right and he's going to get traded, but I don't know the relationship with Patrick Graham, but he would fit into the scheme. It's the perfect age of a 28 year old star corner who hasn't lived up to the hype. Those are the type of players that I think Vegas can give another shot to because brand new stadium, brand new facility, no stats playing on a team that won 10 games. Absolutely, and playing for the defensive coordinator he was with in his first Pro Bowl year in 2020 mm-hmm. is when Patrick Graham got to the New York Giants. He made it to the Pro Bowl after having 18 passes defended, three interceptions, starting 15 games. He looked great. Last year, his numbers were even better with four interceptions. So you're thinking about it, and you're like, it's a perfect fit, especially after all the other cornerbacks were off the board in the first wave of uh, the free agency period. So this seems like a perfect fit. It can be a similar situation as last year with Casey Hayward Jr., where after the draft, he was still looking for a team, and he was like, you know what? 
Let's go to Vegas. Let's prove what I'm worth. And next year, I'll be able to get a bigger contract. And that seems to be the situation this year with James Bradbury, who can, who might end up signing a prove-it deal uh, with any team. We're hoping it's with the Raiders. That cornerback group, you can definitely have a boost with him if he arrives with the team. Uh, Harry Ruiz is our guest. Nicely said there as we move on. I thought this was an unbelievable draft. We recapped it with you last time you were on, and now the Raiders are getting ready for mini camps to start before camp. I think the big storyline is the fact that everybody wants to be here. There's not a lot of criticism yet of holdouts. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I want to hear what he has to say. He seems with coming off his football camp. I didn't know if you went or if you saw some of the video of that. He's really engaged in the community and wanting to keep his position in that running back room. And then the rest of the players are all showing up. The attendance level has been incredible over at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center there. And the new coaching staff and GM's got to love that. Absolutely. And even with the camp, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it this year. But I saw videos, shout out to Paloma Villacana, who was there in attendance, that you had other Raiders players in attendance helping him out with the with the camp, something that last year it was only him and some of his friends because we were still in the tighter COVID restriction situation. Now that everything's a little bit more open, there were more Raider players there. And I love seeing that. It shows his commitment with the community. And he's still going to all those mini camp, sorry, the preseason, the first day in attendance that you could be with Coach Josh McDaniels. He was there. There's no holdout situation, of course. I'm pretty sure he's not feeling the love the way he would want to. But at the end of the day, go out and show your worth on the field. And if you do it, guess what? The Raiders are going to benefit from it in this 2021 2022 season. And you might end up getting another deal to stay with Las Vegas. Instead of signing a one-year deal, you could sign something longer. Josh Jacobs, he's talented. If he stays healthy, he's a menace for this Raiders offense and against the opposing team's defenses. They'll be scared about it. Harry Ruiz is our guest. So the schedule comes out on Thursday, and I'll be gone on Friday, so I won't get a chance to recap it until the following week. Uh, there's a couple of things that jump out at me on the schedule. First off, it's difficult. The degree of difficulty is enormous on this Raiders schedule. And again, I'm not going to complain about it. The, the opponents are set up in advance. This team won 10 games. It's not going to be a cupcake, but they're in Vegas. They're not in Oakland. There's a little bit less travel Let's put that aside for a second. But the Raiders have two home games on the road, which everybody needs to understand. The Charger and the Ram game is Raider Nation invading L.A. As fans want to buy tickets in Vegas, which we can't stop. I can get on the radio and say, stop selling your tickets. Niner fans and Patriot fans are going to buy tickets, and they're going to be there in force. The Raiders have the opportunity to do that when we talk about the Rams and especially the Chargers Got to benefit from that over the next couple of years with a home field advantage on the road. Absolutely. And the times that the rate, heck, last year they played twice over there, one in the preseason mm-hmm. against the Rams and another one in the regular season against the Chargers. And you'd look at the stands and you saw a lot of silver and black. It was San Diego all over again, but, but some two hours north. And Raider fans, look at it this way, JT. They come from L.A. to Vegas to enjoy the games at Allegiant Stadium. They got to pay for their gas. They got to pay for a hotel. They got to pay for their meals. Imagine now in their backyard over there in Inglewood. Now it's a shorter drive. Now they don't have to spend for gas and as much in gas and as much in hotel and all that stuff. Of course they're going to go there. The Raiders need to take advantage. Yes, they're only playing eight home games, 
regular season home games at Allegiant Stadium, but add those two in L.A. because you will also be with a majority of Raider fans in the stands, and they got to take advantage of it. They need to win them. They were competitive against the Chargers for three quarters, against the Rams in the preseason. Yeah, it was a win. They'll win those regular season games. Harry Ruiz is our guest as we wrap it up. So I, I was looking and charting the schedule. I love to do this. And, you know, depending on where these games are going to be and what's going to be the national games, we know the NFL loves Vegas now in Allegiant Stadium for national games because the Charger game at the end of the year was one of the greatest regular season games of all time. And that's the last taste that the NFL got at the Raiders in a home game. And it was one of the greatest games ever played, ever No debate in the regular season. Pittsburgh was able to advance. The Chargers got knocked out, and the Raiders won that game. Well, what I'm looking at here, home and away, is the advantage that Carr has at quarterback. He doesn't have an advantage over Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's been better. Derek can beat him. Derek can beat him, but Russell Wilson has had, he's got a Hall of Fame career set up now. Mahomes, Derek is not better than Justin Herbert. Derek's proven he could beat him. Then you get Kyler Murray at home. There's been a lot of distress with Arizona that hopefully the Raiders play him without DeAndre Hopkins. Houston is at home. They don't have a quarterback. Indy has got a great one in Matt Ryan. Then you have the Patriots and the 49ers. Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Come on, Harry. Those are two games. Carr, Devontae Adams. Patriots and Niners are coming in with a massive fan base. Big games here, but inferior quarterbacks when it comes to experience on the road. The Raiders got to clip both those games and win them both. Absolutely. And Mac Jones, he did great in his rookie season, but who was the man calling the plays and telling him what to do on the field? He's now on the Raiders sideline, Josh McDaniels. So that's a huge plus for him. San Francisco, they don't know what the situation is. Jimmy Garoppolo pretty much said goodbye after they got knocked out in the playoffs. And he's still with the team. So they don't know what their situation is. The Raiders, they need to do a good job with getting wins at home. We know there were some games last year here at Allegiant Stadium where we were like, if we had that game in in our bag and had that win instead of a loss, we would have been in the playoffs in a better spot. But woulda, coulda, shoulda, if it doesn't exist this year, get there, get the job done, and I like both sides of the team. The offense and defense, I like them better than last year, and last year it was a playoff team, it mm-hmm. was a 10-win team. These Raiders can and should do an even better job as in 2021. doesn't matter the opposition. It's more about what you have in the building. Harry Ruiz, last one. So that now we get to the away schedule. We don't know where the game, we don't know what time the games are going to be, when they're going to be, when they release the schedule, but we know the opponents. So forget about on the road, Denver, Kansas City, and the Chargers. Now Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence got a brand new team, brand new team, and they loaded up in free agency because they had no choice. I'd like to see that game early. I'd like to see that road game early before Jacksonville finds any mojo. I mentioned the Rams. I think Raider fans will take the over. It'll be 50-50 instead of 80-20. Then New Orleans, Harry. Let's start with New Orleans. They're going with Jameis Winston, and they brought in the Honey Badger. They got a pretty good team, but New Orleans is in kind of a weird rebuild. Dennis Allen, the new head coach. There's no more Sean Payton. I like the matchup for Raider Nation in New Orleans. How do you see that one? I love that matchup. Absolutely, JT. And you go back to the last time the Raiders played their great memories with Blackjack Del Rio doing his thing and going for the win instead of just tying in and going to overtime. The Raiders, they should beat Jacksonville. And absolutely, it would benefit the Raiders if that game is early in the season. Also, new head coach with Doug Peterson. But 
I don't care if it's early in the season or later in the year. The Raiders should win in Jacksonville. The Rams, of course, they got, they're reloaded. They send all their picks everywhere else because they want to win as much as possible, as soon as possible. So that's going to be a tough game. But we know the stands will be filled up in silver and black, and that's going to be favorable for the team. The Saints, they are starting their rebuild. We know that they were in cap 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 problems all preseason long and they weren't able to get as much pieces around for famous Jameis and we'll figure out what they're all about but I think it's just year one of a rebuild without Sean Payton at the helm and now they went within the team and they got Dennis Allen who did a good job with their defense we know defensively they're a solid team now they got to figure out their offense that since Drew Brees left they've been struggling. All right, Harry, final three games on the road. Pittsburgh, either Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. I want Pickett in that game. I want a guy who's never played the Raiders ever. I, I, I want the pressure of a rookie quarterback. I'll take that all day long. Or Trubisky. Tennessee, I'll go out on a limb and say Tannehill's playing himself out of that job with his comments about not wanting to mentor Malik Willis. That's a big deal, but that's a tough game. And then Seattle, today they don't have Baker Mayfield. I think they're going to get him. It's Geno Smith. So I'm giving you Trevor Lawrence, Geno Smith, Ryan Tannehill or Malik Willis, Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, Jameis Winston. So this is a car schedule. Carr's got to outperform these guys. He's much better than the majority of quarterbacks other than Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, and then the quarterbacks that he sees in the division here. Absolutely. Yeah, that Steelers game. Can you imagine Kenny Pickett if it's early in the season and he has Max Crosby coming in from one side and Chandler Jones from yes. the other? And he has small hands. So the, the, that's a recipe for disaster for him. I would love to see him. Hopefully it happens. Mitch Trubisky, if he's on the field, he's more of a game manager. He's not going to risk it. We're not going to see the bombs that we see from guys like Justin Herbert in this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Definitely an interesting game and a game that I would give the Raiders a good chance of winning. Tannehill, I don't know what you're saying. Just If you don't want to say it to the crowd, just keep it to yourself and be like, yeah, hope this kid good luck. Let's get to work, blah, blah, blah. But don't work yourself out of a job with Tennessee and saying that it's not your job to mentor him. Yeah, we know we've seen in the past other situations like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers where that has happened. But Malik Willis is the future. They drafted him for a reason, but the president is Ryan Tannehill. I know he's not happy with A.J. Brown leaving the team, but that's a plus for the Raiders and for every team facing the Titans. And Seattle, you know the 12th man out there is strong. They don't care if the team is 16-0 or 0-16. Or They'll show out. That's definitely going to be a hard game for the Raiders. If it's Drew Locke, if it's Baker Mayfield, if it's another guy at the helm of the Seattle Seahawks, they're going to be a tough team to face. And I know a lot of Raider fans are excited to go out there to Seattle because it's a great environment to watch a game in. All right, what will you be doing on Sunday for the schedule release? It's a big one here. It's a it's an important moment. It's a high moment in the Raider Nation of the off season. What are your plans on Thursday for that? Absolutely. At La Nación Raider, we'll be tweeting in Spanish about it, and I'll have a show there at 6.45 p.m. on Thursday. It usually goes for two hours because we got so many people chiming in from Mexico, from South America, Central America, even from Spain, always give, giving their comments as we're going on the show with my friends Ricardo Villanueva from Chicago. Sorry, from Mexico City and Demian Reyes from Chicago. We go usually two hours strong, so tune in if you like listening, listening about the Raiders in Spanish. 
We love giving content to our Spanish-speaking Raider nation. La Nación Raider. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you next week. Thank you. Gracias, Juan. There you go. There it is, Harry Ruiz. Fantastic. I love young broadcasters who get better and better and have a passion, and a lot of people love Harry and the job that he does. All right, fun show. We've been all over the place. Opens up a line for you, 702-365-9200. We know the opponents, home and away. We don't know when the games are. I'm, I'm just guessing. I don't know. I'm just guessing, but I think the Raiders will have a Monday night football game. I think they'll have a Sunday night football game. I hope the Sunday night game's at home. If the Monday night game's on the road, fine with that. Obviously, a Thursday night game, Amazon Prime in the division, color rush uniforms, home or on the road. I don't know. I I really think the NFL is high on the Raiders when it comes to putting them on television in Las Vegas in prime time. And that's important. That's really important for the growth of this economy and football in this market. So I'm expecting a high of maybe three national games to four. On top of that, they play in another national game in the preseason, the Hall of Fame game. And that's another thing I'm waiting for, too. Time to get your plane tickets and hotel rooms for Cliff Branch. And if you're planning on going, you'll thank me if you look at it now. It is not easy to travel. I'm traveling a lot here over the next week or two. And you just look at your phone and make sure your flight isn't canceled or delayed two or three hours. Schmitty, bottom of the hour. Canelo lost. I am in absolute shock, but I went back and watched the fight again. Maybe we shouldn't be in surprise. Schmitty at the bottom of the hour. Me, hundred percent. I'm not even going. We're not even going to front about that. Um, but I, can I say he is the most improved golf swing since I saw him two years ago? Like two years ago, it was a little tough, and uh, and now he hits this nice little tight draw every single time, which I'm envious of. So I got to pray about that. Derek Carr on Devontae as they are, I'm assuming, working all the time and getting ready to go. Their families are tight. They're tight going back to Fresno State. And Devontae's in the absolute prime of his career, along with Derek Carr, who's in the absolute prime of his career. Big things happening. There's a lot happening, as we know, but there's big things happening with the window here of where the Raiders are at. Not much has moved with the win total for the Raiders. As you look at eight and a half, why Vegas doesn't believe? Why does Vegas not believe that this team is going to soar to 11 or 12 wins? The schedule. That's it. The schedule's brutal. That's why people are assuming in the Vegas world of bookmakers that the Raiders at best will go you know, 500 in the division, and then they got a lot of tough games, including playing the world champions in the Rams. But with all that being said, this is a big culture move now for the Raiders as they change GM, head coach, and they bring in their roadmap to how they're going to get it done. You know, I almost fell out of the chair when I interviewed Dave Ziegler uh, back at the studio a week ago, and he said, He's got four Super Bowls. Josh McDaniels has six. I can tell you from being in a room, just me and him, and, uh, and one of our good friends, and there was a, a, a journalist, excuse me, a uh, cameraman in the studio. When we looked at that whole thing and I walked away from it, these guys are legit when they say they're not used to losing, right? They coach and work deep into the playoffs and win rings. So 
the bar is set very high, but it was also set very high by the regime before them. Everybody wants to win when they become a Raider, but these guys got a better track record than anyone we've seen in quite some time. How many wins is that going to result in? 702-365-9200 as we continue. Uh, Dave in Denver, Raider Dave. Thanks for checking in. What's happening? Hey, thank you. Sounds good. Wish you luck on uh, all your travels and getting back safe. You know, I think that there's just every season after every season since the Raiders started to think about moving, there's been some sort of off-season debacle that they've had to deal with. But this season, I really see that the NFL has the ability to set up a preseason schedule for the Raiders that is going to completely handcuff them from being able to practice exactly what it is that they want to run. I know everybody runs a reduced playbook. Okay, Mm -hmm. fine. But a couple years ago, they had to play the Rams in preseason. Then they had to play them four weeks later. They couldn't do much of anything. They were even handcuffed even more. So with, you know, Seattle, Arizona, Frisco, Rams being on the schedule and those teams be basically the ones that the Raiders normally would play in the preseason. What in the heck is the NFL going to do here? I'm thinking maybe they go to Cleveland for the Hall of Fame game. They play the Jaguars. Maybe they practice a week against Cleveland. They stay there and they play Cincinnati. After that, they come home and they get two away game or two home games, maybe uh, Minnesota and Dallas. But how do you see the probability or likelihood of really getting handcuffed by having teams in the preseason that they're actually going to play during the season. Oh, I don't think that's going to be a big deal. Thanks, Dave, because those other teams are dealing with the same thing. Appreciate the call. I think the, the key for me is going to be they start a week earlier because of the Hall of Fame game. And how does Josh McDaniels keep these players fresh but get a tremendous amount of work in at practice because it's a brand-new scheme? So they got to do a lot of work. They're going to have to put in a tremendous amount of work at minicamp when the preseason starts and they get together for camp and they got to get all their work in there. And then I don't know what Josh wants to do. Josh might want to play Derek a quarter. He might, might want to do that. And if he does that, I'm okay with it. I'm not one of these guys who wants to shut everybody down. Anybody can get hurt anytime, anywhere. You can pop a hamstring in the park. You could get hurt with the shoulder lifting weights. Okay. The probability if you shut everybody down, keeping them healthy, is much higher, much higher, but I don't know what he wants to do. I have no idea what Dave Ziegler and Josh want to do, but I know they're going to practice very efficiently. Gruden was a master at practicing efficiently, period. That's what he did. He was great at it, not good at it, with practice. So these players are used to it. They're coming off the Gruden era and Basaccia where practices were tight. Uh, The one thing with Coach Basaccia last year when I talked to him Every week for TV, he would tell me before we got him mic'd up, yeah, we had a great week of practice, JT. He had a great week. He wasn't making that up. This organization and team practices well, and now it's going to be elevated with a play caller that's going to have some of his former players there, coaches he's familiar with, and it's very important. They have to stay healthy. they got to keep that offensive line healthy. They need to be very efficient at practice very efficient and get all that work in so these preseason games won't mean much 702-365-9200 g money in vegas thanks for holding what's happening hey brick honored to be on your show um yeah just i i just think this team never is focused to the point of where they got to get their self over the hump they just you have to be completely focused you have to be completely focused every game and any type of lapse that you have, 
Uh, you don't run your route. You kind of get lazy. Uh, this is what this team does. And I don't know if they're focused to get over the hump and win all these games other than eight and a half. All right. Well, I mean, eight and a half could be 11. I don't think eight and a half is going to be seven. I mean, you understand why the Vegas bookmakers have it and, and, and have it at this number here because of schedule and a regime change. Thinking that all and all the, all the close games, G-Money, that they won last year on a last possession kick, the bookmakers think that that'll even out and some of those games will be losses where the other team will make that kick and the Raiders will lose. That's the only thing I see. Yeah, I have no. I, I mean, there is no reason why this team can't win more than eight and a half this season. It's just the focus that they need to have. They need to be focused and ready every game to play, which I don't think they have in the past. But that's that's my take on that. Well, again, I, I think appreciate it. That's a very generalization. That's very. They're going to be prepared to play every game. Not the execution might not be perfect. They'll lose. The other team might outplay them. They'll lose. But I think they're going to be prepared. Josh McDaniels is a wizard with a game plan. And Patrick Graham's going to come in with these coaches. They'll be more than prepared to win. It's going to be the execution of the offense. And can the defense get off the field? One of the premier boxing analysts in the world, James Smitty Smith, joins us coming off the Canelo upset. And Smitty wasn't an upset. It's the only Canelo fight I didn't see in Vegas because I didn't think it was a priority. I didn't think he would lose. But watching the fight, it looked like he went up against a mountain of a man who was tougher, had a better jab, and more prepared to win the fight. How'd you see it? Well, I, I had it 10 rounds to two in favor of wow. the ball. Um, I could make a case for, you know, nine, three, eight, four if I'm being very lenient. But it was a dominant performance by uh, Bivol. You mentioned the, the jab, the most important punch in boxing. I said going into this fight it was going to be about the geometry uh, in the ring and the geographic proximity of the ring. How, who would control the distance, leverage, and timing? That was all Bivol. This was Canelo's 15th fight in Vegas, his sixth at T-Mobile. I thought that might work in his favor with Bivol. You know, going under the, on the biggest stage under the brightest lights, he handled that exquisitely, and he handled Canelo dominantly. I mean, uh, in, in every category that I that I look at, he dominated the fight. And I, you know, going into the fight, I said that every fighter has a number, and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic like everybody else on social media, but every fighter has a number. Canelo's been fighting more than 52 percent of his life, 17 years. 61 might be the number. Uh, it was a, a good number for Roger Maris. It might be a good number for Canelo because I think he's hit the wall, and we'll see what he what he does. I'm sure he can come back and win fights, but I think we've seen the best of him. He looked uh, puffy. He looked methodical. Mm-hmm. He looked slow. He looked tired. He didn't have a, a, a plan B, um, and it happens to all great fighters at some point. The only reason it didn't happen to the Floyd because of smoke and mirrors and the fact that Floyd was probably just one of the lucky, great fighters, but one of the luckiest fighters I've ever, you know, been associated with for the way he was able to always call his own shots, and he was smart. Schmitty's our guest. You know, Schmitty, in the history of boxing, there have been great fighters who have had one loss, but the loss is to a fighter they cannot beat. And if they take that second loss... 
it has an adverse effect on their legacy. Knowing Canelo and covering his career like you have, he is going to want to this loss. The Triple G fight was pretty much set. Does he blow off Bivol and say, I, don't, I cannot beat this guy. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's figured me out. Or is he too proud because it'll be a bigger fight and a bigger payday and it'll be a legacy fight for Canelo? What do you expect him to do next? Yeah, I've all, I already think he's etched his, his way into a place that I'll be hosting in about three weeks when I go to Canastota to host the International Boxing Hall of Fame. But you're right about his ego, and that's why he's been chasing belts and from guys from different sizes. And at some point, you simply bite off more than you can chew, and that's what he did at T-Mobile on Saturday night against Bivol. Uh, you know, he, Canelo was talking about before this fight going up to heavyweight and taking on Usyk. So obviously he's a little delusional in that regard, but great fighters are delusional. That's how you get to be that great, by being somewhat delusional. I think what he should do right now, there's wonderful fights out there uh, for him to make a lot of money and, and fights that are probably safer, although at this point, with him, he's probably an old 31 years of age. And you know what marvelous Marvin Hagler, the late great marvelous Marvin Hagler, who I'm sad won't be sitting next to me on the dais this year when I go back. He said, when you get in those silk pajamas, when you go to sleep in those silk pajamas, uh, it changes you. And Canelo's got a lot of silk pajamas. He even wears them to the damn way. And he's got a big-ass closet. He's got a plane so I, I we're not we're not going to see the great Canelo Alvarez anymore, in my opinion. But I think we'll see him in fights that that he can win. Uh, but it, it the mystique that he's built up over all of these you know last few fights with guys like Caleb Plant and Sergey Kovalev and Callum Smith that's gone. These younger mm-hmm. fighters like a gentleman I'll have on with me this week, David Benitez and. And uh, Zerto, uh, Gilberto Ramirez, and other guys that he might fight, I, I, I think uh, these guys will, will have a tremendous confidence that they wouldn't have had prior to watching what Dimitri did on Saturday night. I personally don't want to see the Gennady Glove can fight. It now looks more interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, we've seen it twice. And by the way, I thought Canelo lost both of those fights, too. Yeah, you were you were strong on that. There was a draw, and then the fight. I had Canelo Bailey ahead, but your opinion matters so much. Schmitty joins us in this corner TV, one of the premier boxing analysts, been with me for two decades on the radio. Finally, Tyson Fury. I, I look at records and numbers and legacy. He's undefeated, and you shake your head and go, really? How come the Gypsy King early in his career didn't get knocked out or something like Canelo against Floyd or other fighters? Now his legacy is set. He destroys people. He's an unbelievable entertainer. He fought in front of 94,000 at Wembley. He's a mass fun guy, and he understands history. Where do you have Tyson Fury all time in the heavyweight division, and will you put him up there with some of the all-time greats? You have to. He's an anomaly, though, in that we did a show a couple of weeks ago on the podcast in this corner of the podcast, which is on fight TV every Saturday at 11 AM. We did a thing where I compared him against my 15 greatest heavyweight champions of all time. You know, people like Gene Tunney and Jack Dempsey and Joe Lewis. And of course, Ali and Larry Holmes and Mike Tyson. And I went down every one of them and there's no heavyweight in the history of boxing that Tyson Fury wouldn't give fits 
because of his tremendous size and athleticism. He's a freak, and he can box, and he can move. Is he better than Gene Tunney? No. Would he beat Gene Tunney? Yes. Is he better than Jack Dempsey? No. Would he beat Jack Dempsey? Yes. Would he beat Larry Holmes? No. Would he beat Lennox Lewis? No. Would he beat Ali? No. But he'd give everybody ever fits. Interesting. You don't think that Tyson Fury in his prime could beat Lennox Lewis in his prime? No, not a chance. And on and okay. because Lennox is, is long and angular enough and a better fighter and hits harder. You know, and, and could get. Remember who the guys are. And, and despite Deontay's prodigious power, we talked on your show for so many years. He was one of the most limited heavyweights ever, with the exception of that tremendous power. And, and, and other than that, with what Fury's done in these recent fights, Billy and White, and I mean, he hasn't really faced anybody that's a world beater. He's probably never going to face AJ. And if they did, I would pick Tyson Fury at this point. But. No, I think Lennox Lewis beats him, Larry Holmes beats him, Sonny Liston beats him, Ali beats him, Riddick Bowe beats him. But those guys are all, you know, in that six foot three, six foot four, six foot five category, and they're better all around fighters, and they also hit harder than he does. But hey, he would give anybody and everybody, including all those guys that I picked to beat him. He would give them all fits, man. The dude's six foot nine and moves around like a ballerina. He's a freak, man. And Schmitty, finally, Crawford, Spence, the fact that when you look at promoters who can't make the biggest fight in the world, in the prime of fighters' careers as they're going outside their prime, nothing better to say that of the Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather as they both, Floyd waited Manny out till the very end and then Manny was injured, but that's for another day. How frustrated do you get when we can't see this fight and it's getting closer and closer and promoters can't come to terms? Yeah, and I'm going to uh, have Crawford on the show coming up. He's, my, he's been my pound-for-pound fighter for over five years now, ahead of Canelo, despite most people were disagreeing with me. I don't know if they're, they're going to continue to. you got a guy in Errol Spence who, who, might be, who might be Crawford because Crawford's better, but... Spence is uh, uh, naturally bigger, and it's pathetic that when you have two brilliant—I mean, they're—you know—they're—they're they're the two best, like the two best teams in in football, baseball, basketball—and they're not meeting. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I don't care about who's marquee this or who's marquee that, or if Bob Arum doesn't know how to promote. I mean, it's ridiculous. The fans, boxing fans, deserve that fight. And I hope we get it. Thanks, Schmitty. In this corner TV, we can get it on television. We can also get it on the website. Tell everybody on the way out. Oh, we just lost him. All right. It's Schmitty at In This Corner TV. He's got a great show. He gets in the ring with fighters. It's a fantastic show. And, again, Canelo lost, and that's not good for Vegas. Because when Canelo fights in Vegas, everything sells out. Everything sells out, and he just got beat. And he got beat by a better fighter. I was shocked. And again, I'm kicking myself for not going, but I had plans for over a month. I didn't think he'd lose. I wasn't very interested in this fight, and I got it wrong. Fortunately, I had a chance to go see Deontay Wilder and Fury, and that became one of the top four fights of my entire life. And I went to that fight, and that was the last great fight I was at in Vegas. We talk boxing on this show all the time because the Raider Nation loves boxing. 
All right, busy show. I'd love to get you up here before we get out of here. 702-365-9200. I got to get to the NBA and the games that are coming up here. Also, some baseball from over the weekend. And F1. Hey, Vegas, are you ready for F1 after what we saw in Miami over the weekend? One of the worst interviewers I've ever seen is a legendary broadcaster over in the U.K., you had no idea who anybody was in Miami. We'll play some of that sound. It really is amazing. Appreciate everybody listening on Monday. Show flying by. Fred Bolitnikoff, Aaron Brooks, Schmitty, Harry Ruiz. That's what we do. That's what we do every day. We're on from noon to two on the flagship. It was not a Mother's Day massacre, but there's plenty of Mother's Day mania in this building. Wow, how about that? How about the play of Luka and what they're doing? Dallas. Phoenix is in trouble. I mean, Phoenix is in a bit of trouble. Chris Paul, six fouls. Chris Paul, six fouls in a game. And the guy didn't play much time. And really unfortunate what also happened with Chris Paul's family as they were at the game and they were harassed. His mom was harassed and his kids were harassed. And a young fan uh, put his hands on Chris Paul's mom. And Chris Paul was really upset about it. So he is freaking out about this uh, going into this game. JT, back with you as we wrap it up here. I just wish fans would just control themselves. And look, if you're going to put your mom and your kids in a section there and people find out who are drinking – it happens all the time. The harassment is out of control. And the league's got to do something about it. And Chris Paul's got a big voice. Hey, James Harden had his best game as a sixer and his best game in the fourth quarter in quite some time, dating back to Houston in the playoffs. Here's Harden with the dagger. Three to shoot. Three-point shot by Harden. is good. Harden with a career game for the Sixers. Yeah, he had a great game on Sixers Radio after the game. He just talked about the shot going down. He's been missing shots, and he had to get in a rhythm and finally put it all together. Nothing really changed, man. I just I made some shots. That's that's. I mean, obviously, that's I guess a game changer. But just being being aggressive and, and that fourth quarter, I think that that group that started the fourth quarter did a really good job of pushing the lead up and doing what we're supposed to do. Yeah, and I want to get to the F one story before we get out of here. F one, which is coming to Vegas in November of twenty twenty three, is going to be massive. Now, other than the Super Bowl, we just had the NFL draft. And we have the big NASCAR race. We have two huge NASCAR races. By the way, I saw Jeff Motley over the weekend, who's a big, big, big guy in town over at the Speedway and the great job he does. And we were talking a little bit about this. F1 is a monster. I'm a NASCAR fan more than F1, but I'm starting to pay attention to it. So they had the event in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins play. Reportedly, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, made more money at this game, at this, at this race, excuse me, that will make for every Dolphins home game this year. So when you look at what's going to happen here in Vegas in November of 2023, it's a big deal. So Martin Brundle from Sky Sports, who's a longtime broadcaster for F1, I don't know him well, but everybody over in Europe does, and he's supposed to be fun and quirky. They had him running around the pits and running around the track trying to introduce celebrities. Problem is, he had no idea who anybody was, he points out this individual, Paolo Banchero from Duke. He thought he was Patrick Mahomes of Kansas City. Give this a listen. 
This is crazy. I've never been to an F1 race. This is this is spectacular. It's amazing to be allowed right in the middle of the competitors just before the race starts. Yeah, now you can see they locked in. It reminds me of myself. But uh, the real focus. Okay, it's not Patrick. That's why he ignored me in the beginning. But what is your name, sir? Paolo Bancaro. Right, okay. Well, I thought I was talking to somebody else. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What an embarrassment. So everybody's laughing about a Pierce Morgan, everybody overseas. He's great. You, you can't have a guy on an American broadcast who doesn't know American celebrities looking to talk to celebrities. It even got worse as Martin Brundle called Venus Williams Serena Williams. Listen to this. Serena, good to see you. So uh, tell us, what do you think of this event here in Miami? Oh, we love having Lewis and all the drivers in Miami, so wishing them luck. It's the first time of many. Hey. Oh, what's the question? <laughs> no, it doesn't really matter. Just uh, good. Nice, nice to talk to you, actually, but uh, we'll uh, want to back down. But that was a nice. What a clown. There is no way you could have that broadcast in Vegas. There is no chance you could have him floating down the strip in Vegas not knowing everybody. I mean, it's incredible to me. And uh, people are having fun with it. Hey, lighten up. It was funny. It was funny because he was a complete jackass. He didn't know anybody, and he was just running around trying to interview people on a big broadcast, man. F1 simulcast on Sky Sports. They got a lot of work to do before they come back to the States again. And finally, let's get a home run on Mother's Day for Bryce Harper of Las Vegas, when he hits the ball, when he hits it in the barrel of the bat, there is a no-doubter. Check this one out. Swung on, belt. High and deep right field, and forget about it. Bryce Harper launches one to right. Sixth home run of the season for Harper as he takes Scherzer deep here in the bottom of the first inning, and the Phillies lead one to nothing. Phillies radio, you know, I don't root for anything Philadelphia. I actually root aggressively against Philadelphia except Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's from Vegas. His story from the time he was 16 years old on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Always fun to root for him and see him do great things. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Harry Ruiz, Schmitty joined us. Uh, Great to talk to Aaron Brooks, who came on, former quarterback for the Raiders. And Fred Bolitnikoff. I hope you enjoyed the Fred conversation. If you can please go to bolitnikoff.org. And find a way to get to the Hall of Fame Golf Invitational. I think there's one more foursome left. And you can get individual tickets to the Sunday night event, which will be at the JW Marriott. I get a chance to emcee that event on Sunday and Monday. And hope to see some familiar faces, as always. It's always fun to be out there. Fun show today. Hope you enjoyed it. I really did. Q coming up next. Vinny Bonsignor after that. And the schedule releases on Thursday. So this is a big week in Raiders Radio as we get a chance to get that schedule in front of us and talk about road trips and some of the great games in primetime that I'm expecting to come. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. At JT the Brick on Twitter and Facebook. Have a great rest of your day.